Hey, I'm Tom Power. I'm the host of the podcast Q with Tom Power, where we talk to all kinds of artists, actors, writers, musicians, painters. We had Green Day on the other day talking about their huge album, American Idiot. Nicole Byer came on to talk about ADHD and comedy. And then there's Dan Levy. While we were talking about filmmaking, we talked about his insecurities. I sometimes feel like I have this desire to, like, perform, to be a version of myself that people might like. Listen to Q with Tom Power to hear your favorite artists as they truly are wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. There are a lot of myths out there about urinary tract infections or UTIs as we call them. We want to debunk some of those myths and expand your knowledge. So this week we're asking, what should I know about UTIs? Hi, Peter. Welcome back to The Dose. Thanks very much, Brian. So how often do you see patients for UTIs? It's, it's very often. And this is the one where they will bug me. In other words, they will call my office pretty much every, every minute of the day until they get an appointment. And it's because it's very debilitating for our patients. Uh, and they really can't get on with their life when they have a urinary tract infection. Right. You're the right person to, to have this conversation with. But before we begin, can you give us a hi, my name is? Tell us what you do and where you do it. Just ad lib. Sure. So I'm Peter Lin. I'm a family doctor in Toronto. Here we go. For those of us who aren't uh, in the know, aren't medical providers, how and why do urinary tract infections happen? Yeah. So basically urinary tract infection, it's an infection. A bacteria usually is coming into the system. And the most common way to come in is up through the system. So up through the urethra, which is the pee hole that we all know about, and then it goes into the bladder. And once the bacteria sets up shop in there, it's just like an infection in your throat, right? So then everything gets swollen and then you get irritated and you'll have some irritative symptoms. And then there's also the infection that can go up even further. And if it goes up further, then it could reach your kidneys as well. And so therefore we sort of separate upper tract infection, which is infections of your kidney. Now that's very serious. There's lots of fever and lots of back pain involved in that. Whereas the lower tract infections is what we're talking about, the bladder and the urethra, the tubing. And so that's the irritative symptoms that people might have, you know, where they go to the bathroom very often is burning when they pee. So the lower urinary tract infection is usually the more common urinary tract infection that we're talking about. We'll get into uh, kidney infections or upper urinary tract infections uh, a little bit later on, uh, but let's stick with the uh, lower urinary tract infections. Uh, and I'd like you to explain to listeners why women are more prone to getting UTIs than men. Well, it's just basically structure. So that little urethra tube that connects the bladder to the outside world is very short in women. So think of your bladder and a short tube about an inch long, and then basically you're now out into the real world. So therefore bacteria really, they don't have to go very far to get up into that tube and into the bladder area. Whereas with men, the tubing is very long. And so therefore it goes all the way down the penis. And so for a bacteria to go all the way back into the bladder takes a lot of effort. And so that's why men typically do not get infections coming from the outside going backwards in. They can get prostate infections and things like that, but generally speaking, it's not from the outside world. So that's why, generally speaking, it's the women that suffer so much uh, with the urinary tract infections that we're talking about because that tubing is very short and so the bacteria can make it inside very quickly. Are we seeing UTIs happen more frequently these days? 
You know what? It's very common. So their estimate is that for women, about 50 to 60% of the women will have a urinary tract infection within their lifetime. And of those, about 25% are going to have recurrent kind of urinary tract infection. So I don't know whether we're seeing more of it. It's just very common to have uh, women having urinary tract infection. And when women can't get on with their day because they're peeing all the time, then we're going to hear more about it. And therefore, as people become aware of it, they're going to be contacting us. So it may feel like there's increase, but basically it's just a very common condition that people get. Why is it important for pregnant women to seek treatment for a UTI? Yeah. So in pregnancy, basically we have a lot of pressure um, in certain areas, right? So you've got the fetus that's now pushing downwards. So, you know, a lot of the structures are, are not in the right position. So if you were to get an infection, our biggest worry is that if that infection goes up, and then it can get to the kidneys, then we could have a very complicated infection. So a kidney infection would be much more complicated. We would you have to use many more, you know, strong antibiotics, for example, and we don't want to expose a, a you know, pregnant woman to very strong antibiotics. And number two is that the urinary tract infection could trigger an early labor, for example. Um, so it irritates the area. So now it gets every muscle contracting. So your bladder is contracting and perhaps even your uterus, which is, you know, the womb may start to contract and could we trigger um, sort of premature labor and those kinds of things. So that's why with women, we often check the urine. Uh, so we're checking for a couple of things. We're checking for whether there's sugar coming out for sure, whether there's protein leaking out and whether there's white blood cells, which is a sign that there's some infection going on and your army is trying to fight that off. So that's why for pregnant women, every time they go for their examination, they check their urine for all of those things to make sure that we can catch it uh, before it gets too complicated. One of the myths out there is that UTIs are a sexually transmitted disease, which they aren't. But there is an important connection between having intercourse and women getting UTIs. Can you can you break that down for us? Yeah, and, and the problem there is that after sex, they have it. So that's why they're thinking it might be a sexually transmitted because it's around the same time. Um, and so basically, it's mechanical, right? So if you think about it, we're pushing more bacteria into the area. Um, so remember, we sort of have three holes. We have the pee hole at the top, and then we have the vaginal hole, and then we have your rectum, which is where, you know, you go to the bathroom and poo. And so the germs really come from the third hole upwards. And so if we have a lot of mechanical pressure and movement in that area, then we can move the bacteria uh, to the pee hole, and then therefore it can go up into the bladder. The other thing is that there was studies way back when they were doing ultrasounds, and they could actually see um, during intercourse, um, the penis is actually bumping into the back of the bladder. So in some women, that kind of bruises it a little bit, and therefore the bladder lining may be a little bit bruised from the backside. So if you think of this as a, as a little bag and you're hitting it from the backside, you may actually have a bit of bruising and that area the bacteria might be able to stick easier to. So there's many reasons why uh, we may have uh, increased risk of urinary tract infection afterwards. Uh, and so one of the things that people recommend is that, you know, after intercourse, uh, make sure that you, uh, you pee afterwards. And that way you sort of flush away anything that might've been pushed into that area so that the bacteria that was pushed into the area are now flushed out as well. Now, we don't need to do douching or any of these kinds of things because we don't have to clean inside. The key thing is just to make sure that people pee uh, and get rid of whatever's in that tubing uh, back out uh, into the outside world. 
Uh, of course, urinary tract infections, you know, people are calling you uh, for appointments. They come to the emergency department uh, uh, for treatment uh, because uh, uh, UTIs cause symptoms. Uh, they cause inflammation of the bladder or cystitis. Uh, one of the most common symptoms is what we call dysuria, which is intense burning on urination. What other symptoms are there? Yeah, that's the biggest thing. So if you think about an infection in any tubing, it causes swelling of the area. Um, so just imagine if you had an infection of your throat. So it'd be swollen, it'd be painful. Every time you swallow, it'll hurt like razor blades. Well, the same thing is happening down below. So you have this infection that's now trying to take over uh, the lining of the tubing. So now it irritates the tubing. And so therefore your body thinks that, okay, something is there. So let me just try and get it out. So then you'll tend to want to go pee often, hoping that you can get rid of that horrible sensation. And that's what women describe is like, it's like razor blades. So every time you pee, it's like peeing over cuts. Uh, and that's what's happening because the area is now inflamed. If the bladder gets inflamed, the wall of the inside of the bladder can get inflamed and infected as well. Now you don't feel the bladder as much, but then what it does is it causes the muscles of the bladder to contract. And so therefore now you'll have this sort of cramping uh, and then you'll go often and you have to pee. And now you've got razor blades as the urine is coming out through the tubing. And you can understand why people feel so uncomfortable and it's very quick. So once the infection sets in, it doesn't take long for them to, to have all these horrible symptoms. And that's why people uh, end up calling our office very, very quickly and, and regularly. And then if they can't get through to us, oftentimes they'll end up in a, a walking clinic or urgent care center or, or the hospital even because it's so irritating. The one thing that we do sort of help people separate is, is there any problems with the kidneys, right? So we talked about that. So we want to make sure that there's no back pain. So your kidneys kind of live halfway up your back. Uh, and so therefore, if there's back pain on one side, then we worry if that kidney is infected as well. Um, and uh, if there's fever. So whenever we involve the kidney, it's sort of more... Um, systemic, I guess, if you will. So your body's going to have a bigger reaction. So you might have fever, chills, back pain. Now that looks more like a kidney infection, in which case we do definitely have to see that. But if it's just down below where you're going often and uh, it's burning like razor blades, then it most likely is just the infection down below, which is what we normally refer to, as you were saying, cystitis, which is inflammation of the bladder or infection of the bladder. Uh, and those ones are the ones that are quite easy to take care of. And of course, not every patient who who uh, uh, thinks they, they they have a urinary tract infection actually has one. There are other conditions that can masquerade. And what are some of those conditions that you're looking for when you're assessing someone with a urinary tract infection in your clinic? Yeah. So it could be other things as well, right? So, you know, if they're talking about frequency, let's say it's a man, right? It could be prostate issues and things like that. As the prostate grows, maybe their peeing pattern is going to be different. So we kind of take a history to figure out is it an infection or not? With women, one of the things that we worry about is that could it be something else? Like for example, chlamydia. Now that one is a sexually transmitted disease, but that particular germ likes to go into the tubing as well. And it can cause irritation of the tubing. So you would get that frequency and you know, kind of burning when you pee, except that particular one, when we check the urine, we can't grow a bacteria. But if we test for chlamydia, we can actually see it in the urine, uh, but we have to order that specific test. Now, if you have chlamydia, the concern that we have is that that germ can actually spread up into the womenly areas like the uterus and then head up to the tubings and therefore cause inflammation of the tubings that uh, 
allow the ovary to be connected to the uterus. So now if we affect the tubing, we can actually cause inflammation and scarring in the tubes that would bring the egg to the uterus. So now that becomes more complicated. Now that's a gynecological infection. In other words, infecting not the bladder, but it's actually infecting these other regions. So that's why if we sort of, it sounds like urinary tract infection, but then we check the urine and we don't get bacteria coming back, then we start thinking about these things for people that might have a sexually transmitted disease um, that might be mimicking or trying to trick us into thinking that's a bladder infection. Hi, I'm Paul Haverschrud, host of The Cost of Living. It's a show about money and how it shapes our lives. In big ways, like why inflation could get worse if we all make more money. Here's the hard truth in all of this. Workers are going to have to eat that real wage loss. And small ways, like what's the fastest way to order fast food? That first Big Mac that comes out of the kitchen is going to the drive-thru. Check out The Cost of Living. We're on CBC Listen or wherever you get podcasts. So you can see that it starts to become difficult for patients to decide when they need to come in to get a urinary tract infection treated and when they can ride it out. So what's your advice? Which uh, UTIs require antibiotics and which can be weighted out? Yeah, I think if you're disturbed by it, I think it's 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 important just to come in and get those samples checked. And uh, especially it's if it's the first time, okay, you want to make sure it's the right diagnosis. If it's recurring, then I would like to know what kind of germs do you have, number one. Is it a germ in the urine or do I have to think about these chlamydias or anything else? So that's why whether it's your first time, we need the diagnosis proper, so we need a sample of the urine, or whatever, whether it's the third time this year, in which case I have to think, why are you getting this urine infection? Is it really a urine infection? So that's why the testing becomes important. Um, and then if you keep getting it, should I be checking with an ultrasound to look inside, you know, are there some strange things? So I think uh, for people to try and make a decision on their own, should I go in for this one or not this one? Uh, if it's too difficult, then maybe come in. So if it's your first one, come in, let's make sure it's the right thing. If it's your recurrent one, come in so that we can figure out why you keep getting it. And if they are treated with antibiotics, the symptoms usually go away quite quickly, don't they? Yeah, they're quite quick. And, and so if the antibiotic is the correct one, in other words, able to kill off that germ, then, you know, people next day, you know, they, they start saying that it, it starts feeling, they're feeling more human again, and they can function again. And then the key is to make sure that you finish off the antibiotics for the whatever days, three days, five days, whatever has been prescribed for. Uh, and we do try to keep it as short as possible but not too short that you're only taking one dose of, you know, something that's supposed to be seven days, right? Uh, because we don't want to have the situation where the germs become a little bit strong against it. So sometimes when we say it's a seven-day course and you only take two days of it, then what happens is that you kill off the ones that are susceptible to that antibiotic, but then now you're allowing the ones that are kind of still hanging around to grow. And so that's one way that we can generate this antibiotic resistance if people don't finish the amount of medication that they're supposed to. A few years ago, cranberry juice and cranberry pills were all the rage for treatment. What about now? Yeah, so cranberry juice is interesting. I actually uh, looked that up at one point thinking like, is there something to it? Because we always say that. And I used to tell people it changes the pH of your urine. And so therefore the bacteria have a harder time. So actually people have been looking at cranberry juice and it turns out that um, 
it changes how the bacteria sticks. So in other words, E. coli bacteria needs to stick to the tubing or stick to the bladder wall. And so it turns out there are some things in the cranberry juice itself that may block that sticking. So the, the sort of the, the part that the bacteria uses to stick gets plugged up. And so therefore it might not stick, which means that it may be a better prevention thing. So let's say you find yourself getting these recurrent things. If you take cranberry juice ahead of time, then you might be able to prevent the bacteria sticking. So that's why the studies that say, can you treat it, uh, a urinary tract infection, they're not so good because the bacteria is already stuck and it's already infected and invaded. Um, and so therefore it might be better as a prevention. Having said that, I still tell patients, if you want to, you can drink cranberry juice if you like it. And I think what that does is also it increases their fluid intake. So it's mm. usually when they drink cranberry juice, they'll flush it down with water, which is great because now they're drinking more and then that gives you more urine to flush out the area. Recently, we heard about a vaccine for urinary tract infections that uh, right now is in front of, of Health Canada. Health Canada is going to decide whether or not to approve it. What do we know about that? Yeah, so this is interesting. It's actually been around for quite a while. So it's been in other countries and it's been approved, you know, to be used in women. And basically what it does is that um, they take four of the most common bacteria that cause urinary tract infection and they kill them with heat. So they're inactivated with heat. So they're not alive anymore. And then they put it into a suspension and then you spray that under your tongue. And you do that every single day for three months. And at the end of three months, they sort of looked over a year, how does that protect somebody? And so the whole idea is that if I give you, you know, the, the, the bad guy, what the bad guy looks like, then maybe your body will build an immune system and antibodies and those kinds of things against it. Now, really where we want to put it is down below. But I mean, it's very hard to get anything down below inside that way. So that's why the, the quickest way to access your body is under your tongue. Um, and so the thought is your immune system will recognize it, build some antibodies. So you'll have some armies that could then go and recognize these germs. And the results are, you know, like um, the group that was treated, you know, 56% did not have any more recurrence versus the people not treated was 25%. So it's double but then still lots of people are getting infections still. So this is really reserved for the people that get that recurrent uh, uh, urinary tract infection. And their definition, as I was saying, it's a, a three or more within a year or two within the last six months. And so the study had just been published in the New England Journal. And the thought is, is that if this works, at least even for those 50% of the people, then they do not have to go on antibiotics, you know, over and over again. And then maybe that's good for them because they don't keep getting infected. Number two is that uh, we might get less antibiotic resistance because they don't have to keep taking lots of antibiotics. And so that's why um, this might be a good strategy in that we teach the immune system how to kill off the germs. And if this one gets approved and it works, there are other people working on different ways so that maybe we can get that number higher. So instead of just 50 something percent, we might get it to 80 or 90%. And so I think this is another you know, field that people are saying, how can we make sure that these women don't have to suffer recurrent infections? And then more importantly, how do we make sure that we don't cause antibiotic resistance? Because each time we give them a batch of antibiotic, we may be generating these superbugs that then can affect other people. Uh, and therefore cause problems for other patients. So it's really a strategy to help the individual patient, but also help the system as well uh, to keep that antibiotic resistance down. And when you do see patients in the clinic, 
What do you recommend to them to try to reduce their chances of having uh, another urinary tract infection down the road? Yeah, that's really the most important thing. And I and I usually draw my silly diagrams and say, here's the pee hole, and then here's the vagina hole, and then here's the hole for the bum. And unfortunately, the germs actually come from your bum hole forward to your pee hole. So therefore, if you were to wipe forward, you would actually bring the bacteria right to the front door of where you urinate and right to that little short tubing. So that's why we'd like people to wipe backwards. So push it away, we tell people. Uh, so front to back, you push it away. Um, the other thing is that if there's a moisture layer between those holes, then the germs have a pathway to get there. So therefore, if you're sweating a lot, so that's why they're saying cotton underwear, it'll sort of absorb the sweat as opposed to letting the sweat sit on your skin. Because if the sweat sits on your skin, again, you have a pathway for the germs to move forward and sort of migrate to the bad area. And no tight clothing for the same reason. And also no sort of sitting in tubs because the tub, again, provides a water layer uh, that may go forward. And the same thing with wet um, swim gear. So let's say you just went swimming and then now you just sit there with your wet swim gear on or swimsuit on, then you're providing that path to connect it out. And then after intercourse, of course, flushing out the tubing uh, by by drinking lots of water and, and peeing is a good idea. And I've started putting in, um, you know, don't sit on cold surfaces and don't hold in your pee. And the reason for that is when you hold in your pee, you tend to contract the area down below. When you sit on cold surfaces, you also contract your buttocks down below. And every time you contract, you actually create a little bit of a vacuum, I guess, if you will. And so if there's any germs around that tubing, you'll end up sucking it inside the tubing. And of course, finally, is drinking lots of water. So that way your urine, there's lots of it to basically flush out that area. So you can imagine if you only pee twice a day, then there's more chance for the bacteria to come into that space versus if you're peeing four or five times a day where you're washing away that area. And so therefore bacteria will have less of a chance to come in and invade uh, that little short tube. Lots of great information there. Dr. Peter Lin, thanks once again for uh, speaking with me on The Dose. Thank you, Brian, and thanks for all your good work. Dr. Peter Lin is a Toronto-based family physician and the house doctor on CBC Radio 1. Here's your dose of smart advice. Urinary tract infections, or UTIs, are generally caused by bacteria and can involve any part of the urinary system, most commonly the bladder, causing cystitis. Symptoms include frequent or urgent urination and intense burning when you pee. There may or may not be a fever. Women are at greater risk of developing a UTI than are men. Other causes of cystitis include side effects of medications or radiation therapy. Hygiene products and spermicide jelly can also irritate the bladder. The way to confirm a UTI is by providing a urine sample that can be examined under a microscope or sent to a lab for cultures to identify the bacterium and the most appropriate antibiotic. Serious health problems can result if a UTI spreads to the kidneys. Some cases require hospitalization. As well, sexually transmitted diseases can also cause symptoms similar to a UTI. Seek healthcare advice if you have symptoms of a UTI or for any symptom that is severe or concerning, including fever and severe pain in the flanks. Besides antibiotics, other things you can do to feel better include drinking plenty of fluids and taking acetaminophen or ibuprofen. You can also help prevent UTIs by urinating after sexual activity, taking showers instead of baths, and by minimizing douching, sprays, or powders in the genital area. 
cranberry juice has not been shown to be effective as a treatment for an existing UTI. A vaccine that could lower the risk of frequent infection is awaiting approval by Health Canada. If you have topics you'd like discussed or questions answered, our email address is thedose at cbc.ca. If you like this episode, please give us a rating and review wherever you listen. The Dose was produced this week by Stephanie Dubois. Our senior producer is Colleen Ross. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. If you're looking for medical advice, see your healthcare provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca/podcasts.